Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Welcome to our uh, time of worship once again. Uh, please pray with me. Lord, we thank you once again uh, for this time that we have together to gather in your name, to sing praises to you, to offer up our prayers, and to hear your word as we offer ourselves to you. Speak your word now, and in the hearing of your word, help us to obey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is now the third in a series of eight sermons I'll be preaching on the Beatitudes. We began with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then last week we heard that the, those who mourn are blessed for they shall be comforted. Today we will consider blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. This is probably the least popular and most misunderstood of the Beatitudes because the word meek in English conjures up almost entirely negative feelings. The first definition in the dictionary for meek actually says, enduring injury with patience and without resentment. That actually sounds like a pretty good quality to have, but we hardly ever use the word meek in that sense. Meek also has the misfortune of rhyming with weak, but meekness is not just weakness. When we think of meekness, we think of a kind of a, a tepid, mediocre weakness. So it's, even, it's like the worst form of weakness. Some of the synonyms for meek include yielding, compliant, tame, tractable, acquiescent, harmless, deferential, timid, forgettable, docile, unassuming, bland, soft, unambitious, fearful, unprotesting, unresisting, deficient in spirit and courage, submissive, quiet, shy, mild, spineless, wimpy, 
easily imposed upon, lacking initiative, get along, don't rock the boat, yes men, a wet noodle, a wallflower, a pushover, meek as a lamb, meek as a mouse. Meekness is passive capitulation to the strong, cowardice disguised as forbearance, and suffering in silence. Worse, the media often portrays Asian Americans in this stereotypical fashion as meek. Meek is everything that a good, strong, assertive, go-getter American and American Christian is not supposed to be. How many of you have ever put meek on your resumes or on your college applications? Or how about at a job interview? Tell us about yourself. What are your strengths? Well, I would say that my strongest trait is meekness. Fathers, can you imagine your daughter telling you, Dad, I have a new boyfriend and he's so awesome. Like, he's like, he's so meek. He's so weak and tepid and unambitious. Don't you want your boyfriends instead, your daughter's boyfriends instead, to be strong, confident, and able to do more push-ups than you? A while ago, someone made up a group for the meek called the doormats, an appropriate image for those who get stepped on. And doormats also was an acronym for the dependent organization of really meek and timid souls, doormats. This fake society was supposed to promote cower power. Their, lo their logo was the yellow traffic light. And their motto was, the meek shall inherit the earth, if that's okay with everyone. Is this what Jesus had in mind when he said, blessed are the meek? And I want to tell you, absolutely not. I think the word meek is really a very, very poor choice. A little word study, or maybe a, a long word study today. The word translated as meek in the Greek is praus. And it's a word that we've all actually seen before. You might recall a couple of years ago when we studied the fruit of the spirit, this word was among the fruit on the list, but it was not translated as meekness. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we learned this word then as gentleness, but it's the same word as in the Beatitudes. It's the same word that gets translated as meekness here, but as um, gentleness in Galatians. It's a really interesting word, and I doubt many of you remember the things that I said back then, so let me just uh, review with you. First of all, I know that we tend to think of virtues as the opposite of a vice. But for the Greeks, virtue was not the opposite of one vice, but it was the golden mean between two vices. So praus is not simply the opposite of something like bold or aggressive. It's the golden mean between enraged and indifferent. 
it's the golden mean between uncontrollable wrath and inexcusable apathy. In other words, someone who is praus, or this, this meek, is not weak and soft and forgettable, but they have power that is under control, and they are able to unleash that power at the right time, at the right place, in the right measure. So William Barclay, for example, translates this in this way. Blessed is the one who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. That's meek. That's meekness. The Greeks use this adjective meek in a variety of situations in this sense. For example, it was used to describe a wild horse that had been tamed. The horse remains just as strong and as powerful as it had always been, but is now under control and someone is able to ride the horse and get all the benefits of being able to ride the horse. The poet Mary Carr wrote that Meek is a great stallion at full gallop that will stop at the master's voice. Power under control. It was also used to describe a general who had defeated a village or a country, and instead of wiping them out as it was within his power, allowing them to live and to thrive and to flourish. It was used to describe a person who could debate without losing his temper. It was described a kind of person who could get upset at social injustice, but did not allow himself and his anger to devolve into petty retaliation Someone who is praus is not weak, is not weak. It's like water being held back by a dam. Great power, but held in check and ready for appropriate use. Or think about it this way. When a toddler gets angry and throws a tantrum, because that's what toddlers do, and screams, I hate you, to a mother, what does she say? Does she strike back and say, I hate you even more? Does she whimper and cower and get bullied by her toddler? Does she ignore her child and hope that they will magically calm down somehow? I hope not. They hold themselves in check. They hold their power in check. There are all kinds of things that they could do, but they hold their power in check because they are stronger they are meeker, and they use their power to calm the child. The meek are anti-bullies because bullies cannot restrain their power. They have to constantly prove to the world and to themselves that they have power and that they're strong. And yet with each display, of course, they show themselves to be weak. But the one who is prowess, who is meek, is able to restrain from both petty revenge and insecure defensiveness. To be meek is to be incredibly strong. They are not easily provoked by small and personal insults and slights. I would say in today's jargon, someone who is meek is that they are not easily triggered. They're secure. Consider, for example, how the mature Joseph responded to his brothers who had earlier hated him and sold him off to slavery. 
when Joseph became uh, prime minister, essentially, of Egypt, and he had incredible power, he could have released all kinds of retaliation and revenge against his brothers. But instead, he responded by comforting them and reassuring them of his love for them. I mean, that is incredibly difficult to do for people who hate you. It takes incredible strength to restrain yourself. We can also see this in the example of Moses. In Numbers 12, Moses is described as the meekest person or the humblest person on the earth. But he wasn't weak. He wasn't mild. We know that he could confront the powers of empire and and he lost his temper more than once. But he did something that most of us probably could not do. In Numbers 14, God gets very angry with his people and he threatens to destroy the people and instead turn Moses into a new and greater nation than the Israelites. Can you imagine God telling you something like that? Moses must have been so sick and tired of this people because he's been hearing their complaints for 40 years. Every time they're short on water or food, his authority got challenged. Every time things got a little difficult, he had groups of people clamoring to go back to Egypt so they could enjoy the cucumbers and onions of Egypt, completely forgetting the fact that they had been slaves in Egypt. Even his own brother and sister challenged his leadership. If you were Moses and God said, let's just get rid of this mess of a people and start all over with you, Moses, and I will make you a greater nation than anyone before. Wouldn't you take that offer? Wouldn't you say, Lord, thy will be done? But not Moses. He interceded for his people. He begged God to show them mercy so that God's glory would not be diminished in any way. And he concluded his appeal to God with God, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt unto now. That's meekness. The best example of meekness, of course, is Jesus himself. He said in Matthew 11, for example, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle or meek, the same word, and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. When Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble or proud, same word, and mounted on a donkey on a colt. Jesus consistently demonstrated this quality, power under restraint for the sake of others. When his own life was threatened by mobs, he did not use his power to save himself. When he was struck unjustly, he did not strike back. When he was wrongly arrested, he did not call down legions of angel armies. As it says in 1 Peter 2, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It's not that Jesus lacked power to retaliate, but he used that power only to protect others. 
when a woman was unfairly threatened with being stoned, he stooped down next to her and protected her and called out her accusers. When merchants were gouging the poor of the land, he overturned their tables and drove them out. When the Pharisees showed callousness and hardness of heart toward the suffering, he expressed righteous anger. Do you see what this means? If we are to be a people who are meek and pursue meekness, some of us, some of us need to rein in our anger. But others of us need to get angry more often. And I don't mean just venting your emotions in anger. I mean to do something for the sake of others. The meek, the truly meek, will not stand by while others are suffering or being oppressed. The meek are not easily provoked by personal insults, but they will stoop down to protect those who are being threatened and challenge all who would take advantage of the defenseless. That's what the meek do. As these examples demonstrate, I hope you will agree with me that meek is probably a very poor word choice. It's actually a little surprising to me that so many of the newer Bible translations continue to use this word, including uh, the ESV, which we use. And I suspect it's because this, this, this sentence, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, this, uh, this beatitude is so ingrained into our uh, cultural language um, that they kept it because of that rather than because it's really the best word choice. I don't think there's one, there's, there's not a good one word equivalent uh, for this word. It's, it's a difficult word to translate uh, with one word. But as you can see here, a few translations have tried to find something other than meek. And so Jesus says, those who are praus, gentle, humble, kind-hearted, sweet-spirited, self-controlled, mild, mm, patient, long-suffering, those who are content with just who they are, those who claim nothing for themselves, those who have power under control, these folks are blessed and they shall inherit the earth. So that's what meek is. Now, what does it mean that they're going to inherit the earth? Here, Jesus is thinking about Psalm 37. The psalmist says, that it may look like to you that the wicked are prospering, that evildoers are succeeding in life. But the reality is that those who wait for the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, they shall inherit the land. Those who are humble, gentle, meek, they will inherit the land. Those who wait for the Lord, those who are humble or meek, these are people who have committed themselves to God, who trust God, and who refrain from evil, even though it seems like evil is the only way to succeed and prosper. They wait to inherit the land. The land will be given to them as an inheritance. It's not something that they will have to brutally conquer and take from others in some violent fashion. One of the interesting things that I learned this week is that because of this connection to Psalm 37, a few translations, a couple of which are geared toward Jewish audiences, 
instead of saying inherit the earth in Matthew 5, translated as they shall inherit the land. Because that, that's the language that's used in uh, Psalm 37. The land is a symbol of power and prestige. To be wealthy meant you own land, much more so then than now. But in the scriptures, the land is also one of God's great promises to his people. All the way back in Genesis 12, God promised Abraham land. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you will I curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's this connection between blessing and land. And this covenant gets passed along from generation to generation to generation so that Moses and the Israelites later are promised the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And later than that, even in exile, the people are remembering and calling upon God to restore the people back to the land, to go back to the land of promise. So the land, is, it's not just simply a sign of earthly wealth, but a symbol of God's promise and covenant, of God's blessing. Inheriting the land, right? Not taking the land, not stealing the land, but inheriting the land means that you are living under God's care and God's provisions. You are receiving what belongs to God. And that is really another way of simply saying that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, fulfills God's promise of the blessing of land. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in The Cost of Discipleship, the renewal of the earth begins at Golgotha, where the meek one died, and from thence it will spread. When the kingdom finally comes, the meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus and the kingdom of God fulfills the promise made to Abraham that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Inheriting the land is, in fact, the concluding hope of the book of Revelation, when those in Christ shall receive, inherit a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus, in conjunction with the psalmist, is thinking about those who face injustice, those who witness the prosperity of the wicked and promise and, they, and they're promised that they will be vindicated, that those who suffer wrong rather than doing and wronging others will inherit the earth. They are blessed. And by the way, you know, the word meek, it's, it's, it's in the plural. It's the meeks, the meek ones. The community of like-minded people who do not act in self-serving violence to take what they want, they are blessed. They know they need not be violent because blessing and inheritance is never a matter of acquisition and conquest, but given and received as a gift, as a blessing. The meek or the gentle describe those who are not proud and who acknowledge the authority of God, that it all belongs to God. They are blessed because they place themselves under God's will 
and in God's kingdom. They are blessed because they trust in God's goodness and God's promises rather than in their own strength or in the power of the wicked. They are blessed because they use their power only for the sake of the weak. I know I've told you before that one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Psalm 18, where the psalmist writes, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. Your gentleness made me great. It's God's humility, God's gentleness, God's meekness that makes his people great. Do you know this? It's not God's wrath that brings you to kneel in terror. It's God's kindness that leads me to repentance. It is God's goodness that will pursue me all the days of my life. It is God's faithfulness that is new every morning and endures to me for all generations. It is God's gentleness, his meekness, his power under restraint for me that makes me great. Because it is God's meekness that led Jesus to the cross. And it's the cross that makes me great because by it, I am saved and redeemed and adopted and declared a child of God. It's not something that I had to take and make for myself. I'm a son of the King Most High, a daughter of the great and holy one of Israel because God is meek in Jesus Christ. So those who are meek, praus, are confident people, not self-confident, but God-confident. They trust God and they know they don't need to prove anything to anyone. They know who they are because they know whose they are. They are not overrun by a sense of self-importance. They don't have to bully others. They're not easily triggered and are able to forgive and to treat others with gentleness. They do not unleash their anger or their power for their own benefit, but for the sake of others. And aren't these the kinds of people that you wanna be around? Aren't these the people, as Jesus says, who already have the blessing of God because they are already experiencing the inheritance, the kingdom of heaven. And in that way, they've already inherited the land. This is why the, Paul, the apostle Paul reminds us that even though there are times when we need to rebuke one another as he did to the Corinthians, he did so in the meekness and in the gentleness of Christ. Even toward the Corinthians, he treated them with meekness and gentleness, even though they had so many difficulties. He calls us to deal with one another, someone who is overtaken by sin, not with wrath and anger, but in a spirit of gentleness, meekness. We are not called to destroy or to humiliate, to curse, but rather to restore and to bless correcting with gentleness. And so I want to encourage you today, not only to recognize and to receive this blessedness, but to live this out. Be meek and gentle. 
be ready to unleash your power for your neighbors at the appropriate time in appropriate measure. Trust in the gentleness of God that led Christ to the cross and know that you will inherit the land. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to understand this blessing, to be appropriately angry, to release our powers to protect others, to have the wisdom to know when and how to take action, to have patience to endure personal slights. Help us to be meek the way Joseph was and Moses and especially like our Lord Jesus Christ who showed us the way and who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.